Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys review Final Girl and Undaunted Reinforcements. And I will join Marty for a review of That Time You Killed Me. And in Taste Buds, the guys try the new Mountain Dew flavor Spark and a Reese Cup with potato chips. Why don't y'all ever try like a healthy salad or something? (laughs) Maybe a sparkling water or some juice, fruit. You ever heard of a banana? (laughs) Hello, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 248, Psycho Killer. I'm Tony. And I'm Marty. And let me just ask you, sir. Who's this by? Talking Heads. Oh, so good. So good. Were you a Talking Heads fan? Off and on. Off and on. I mean, it just whenever I hear Talking Heads, you know what pops into my head. Burning down the house? Yeah, this ain't no party. Wait a minute. That's not, the, that's not burning down the house. That's, um, this ain't no party. Ain't Ooh, no this ain't no disco. disco. This ain't no fooling around. Yeah, baby. Go. <laughs> I don't care what it is, but the minute someone says Talking Heads, that song... Whatever it is, pops in my and that's all I got. That's it. That's it. That's all I need. But I do have to point out one thing. It is January 10th, the day of this recording. And I must point out, sir, that on January 6th, by Google requirements, all Christmas trees must be put away. Why is your Christmas tree still up in the background? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> There's no lights or ornaments on the tree or anything. Everything goes back into storage in a certain way. But before we uh, do all that, so Vanessa in January does snow and snowmen. So there's still a tree or so out there that's a white tree with snowflakes and snowmen on it. And so this is a quick transition. So that one will, that you see behind me will go away soon as we rotate from getting January's up towards the front and moving Christmas to the back. There's this whole process of our warehouse that stores decorations uh-huh. Uh-huh. where you rotate product depending on the season. Yeah. So, so I would love to flow chart this. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to take this and sit down with Vanessa and draw out this flow chart process. See where it is. See my swim lane, see who's got what responsibilities and see how it falls back. And what happens when there's a decision point such as X tree is in the back where it shouldn't be. What's the decision point? How does it wrap around? How do you handle that break in the process? That would be something I'd like to see. And here's the thing. There's there's a room upstairs and there's a, there's a storage area downstairs that we rotate stock mm-hmm. uh, right now. So all Christmas stock goes to the back and Halloween stock comes to the front because downstairs we just have the Halloween. And yeah, this is really boring. Uh, but yeah, that's why the Christmas tree okay. is, is still up. Uh, it's just because it just hasn't gone into a storage unit yet. That's what I needed to know. Now, we've got a lot to cover, and we got a short amount of time to do it. So what's next on the agenda? I do want to bring up one item that came up. How do you know when you're getting old, besides your eyesight going, your hearing going, having to have colonoscopies? By the way, this is my year for my colonoscopy. Yay. How, how do you know you're getting old? Uh, aside from all that, that was that was covered a lot for me. So for me, it is when I do the remembrance videos of who passed away in the previous year Mm. and I start looking at them, I'm like, I know a lot more of these names. (laughs) These are people I grew up with. These are people I watched on TV. And I mean, we all know Mm -hmm. just as Betty White passed away before she hit a hundred and I got the people magazine. I don't think that's an error printing where it says Betty White turns a hundred, but I did pick that up. 
Uh, no, it actually came out the week that she passed away. So it was just really, really unfortunate timing. And then just recently, a oh, really bizarre one, Bob Saget yeah. uh, passed away right before uh, we did this recording, who did uh, Full House mm-hmm. and uh, America's Funniest Videos. Right. And some of the raunchiest comedy out there, but you wouldn't know. Yep. You, <laughs> you would think, oh, this guy's a clean comic. No. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well. Uh, go listen at your own risk to uh, Bob Saget comedy routines. I'll, ju- I'll just say that. It was really interesting. They picked him to play the big father figure in uh, in uh, Full House. All right. And then, then uh, you know, Marky Post passed away in 2021 from Night Court. Yep. And um, unfortunately, you know, that led to a rabbit hole. And now all these Harry Anderson clips from Cheers are appearing in my YouTube feed. And I just oh, rabbit. Yeah. I just read some of those cold openings he did at Cheers. Oh, still an amazing show. So we always have Frazier on here. Mm-hmm. Frazier's the show around here, which is also a, a, an amazing show too. So I think uh, obviously this had the same some actors and same people working on the show, and it was it was obvious because both those shows were huge hits. Absolutely, but it's just one of those things. It's like, oh man, I'm, I'm getting older. Got to go do my screenings and everything. Got to get that done. Yeah, I mean, the older we get, we always encourage people to go get uh, your your test and everything. I mean, one easy thing for men, Tony, is a PSA test for prostate uh, cancer. No longer do you have to fear the finger uh, because now just through a simple blood test, which you'll probably get done every physical, they can check what's called your PSA levels and to see if there's potentially any issues uh, with your prostate. Another very easy thing to do, you're getting ready to go do the colonoscopy, which is sounds like a pain in the butt. The prep is a pain in the butt. That's it. Wow, that was a pun that was totally unintended to be there, but I'll take it. You should, and you're you're right. I'm sorry, keep going. I mean, just listen to your body, but what were you saying? Yeah, listening to your body uh, is a big deal, and the the reason why we're kind of bringing this up is is some of you uh, may have heard recently that uh, Jamie from the uh, Secret Cabal had posted on BGG and uh, publicly uh, that he had been diagnosed with a a mass in his esophagus and come to find out um, it was cancer. Um, this was uh, due to a, a condition that he's had uh, all of his life. And if you want to go in details, you ask him about it, but it, it kind of came from a condition they found as a child, an issue with his, his esophagus. And so right now he is currently being treated with chemotherapy and radiation. And I'm bringing this up for a, a couple reasons. One, I have been in constant contact with Jamie. He is an amazing spirits. Mm. He's a fighter. Uh, he's like, I'm going to kick this thing's butt. And you could tell it in his voice, he's going to do it. He's, he started the treatments. Of course, those treatments can be rough, but very, very good prognosis. Getting rid of this mass, clear, done. It's nowhere else in his body, which is amazing, which is great. Get rid of the mass and he's going to be taken care of. So he is an amazing spirit. So just know that even though it's rough hearing news like that about somebody that you may know or have talked to or listened to, I just know that things are going really well for him. And I'll just just also to for everybody, if you can give words of encouragement, you know, during times like this, you never know there's ups and downs and just knowing that people are there uh, that uh, care about you. And he has an amazing support system with his wife and his family and everything. And I know a lot of people have come out in support of, of him and saying, we're there for you. We're thinking about you. We're uh, praying for you, et cetera. So continue to do that uh, over the next uh, few weeks and, uh, and months. I'm not sure how long the whole uh, process takes. People have been asking, how can we help Jamie? One is encouraging words, obviously. But it's like, well, I want to do more. Uh, there was a question of, should a GoFundMe 
page be uh, opened up to help with any medical payments or medical uh, bills he may have to pay. His wife said, let's, let's not worry about that and do that right now. But you know what we can do? We can buy his merch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we can go to uh, the Secret Cabal website. We can buy their merchandise where they make a little bit of money off that. Hopefully there'll be another Kickstarter this year. When there's a Kickstarter, just remember it's now it's not only his job, but who knows? He may have some lingering medical bills he needs to get taken care of. I don't know his situation. I don't ask that stuff. That's all private. But I just know when stuff like this, a few extra bucks might be able to help for deductibles and stuff like that. You know, Tony, we've all had to deal with medical issues and insurance, right? Absolutely. And it's not a fun thing. It's something that you don't want to worry about while you're sick. You'll deal with it later and people will come to support you. Like you said, Jamie, amazing guy, took me under the wing at Gen Con. I always had a great time with him. And I knew humor would not be good at the time when all this was going on, but I was, I'm, I'm waiting for that time when I can offer you up to go do sponge baths. <laughs> with, with the scrub daddy. With the scrub daddy. That's right. <laughs> but uh, another thing, I don't know, it might be able to help too. If any of you happen to be a cancer survivors, I know that sometimes getting support and encouragement from somebody who may have been through the same things that uh, that person's been through is also encouraging, right? Hearing somebody who's gone through the journey and stuff like that. So anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. If you're a fan of the secret cabal and a fan of Jamie and uh, consider him a friend or whatever, uh, just continue sending encouraging words. He's doing amazing. I know he won't listen to this, but just know, Jamie, that we love you and we're thinking about you. And if you know, if you believe in the power of prayer, et cetera, you could do that too. It's just uh, know just there's several ways that you can support him during this time. So I know that's kind of Tony, a little bit of a, oh, what a way to start the show, but it was meant to be a word of encouragement. He's doing amazing. It's an amazing prognosis. Prognosis. Wow. <laughs> Diagnosis and prognosis. And it came out weird. He's going to get through this. He's going to kick the thing's butt and he's going to be coming out on the other side and he's going to be feeling a lot better because of it. Right. And in our past shows, I've always, and you've always listened to me talk about safety, do this for safety. It's part of, uh, Hey, it's experience. It's life experience. Listen to your body, do things smart, especially in the world we live in now, be thinking about your safety. It's just one of those things. Hold on. <clears throat> I'm really parched right now. I can tell. I, I, I'm kind of a little parched. I got a little <clears throat> stuff in my throat here. So we have a brand new Mountain Dews here. So we're going to try. Oh, we're going to Taste Buds. Let me play this amazing intro right here. Taste Buds. Taste Buds. Taste Buds. If I give you a fiver, will you go out and get another one? <laughs> <laughs> do they still do fivers oh yeah yeah fivers still exist oh, all right what God. we got here tony i actually uh you you and i found this about the same time i brought you one of these and you said oh yeah i've been looking for it it's this the mountain dew zero sugar spark which is raspberry lemonade all right so i'm not a big fan of the raspberry taste but love mm. some lemonade so i guess these are two flavors that go well together but yes and it's zero sugar, so it helps the 2022 diet. Uh, that's right. So let's uh, let's pop open these cans here. Do you remember when pull tabs were actually pull tabs? And you pulled them off yeah. and people like made necklaces with them and stuff like mm-hmm. that? People like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Let me, all right, for all you youngins out there, the tab actually pulled off of the can and was a separate thing. Of course, people threw them on the ground and ended up littering everything. So they figured out a way to open the can 
without anything coming off of it. Yeah, and nothing would upset you more than that little tab, that little ring pop right off. Oh, what a cause of frustration. <laughs> and then you're taking your keys, trying to jam the thing, in, and then it falls into your drink. It's like, crap, the tab falls into your drink. Where's me a rock? I need me a rock. Give me a rock. I'm going to get in this thing. All right, so here we go. Let's get All right. the- it. Smells like lemonade to me. Mm-hmm. Sure does. All right, here okay. we go. Ooh. If you don't like raspberry, you may not like this. I like raspberry. I'm not getting a strong raspberry taste. That's interesting. I'm getting the strong raspberry, not the strong lemonade. I guess it's a good mixture of the two then. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like that. It really tastes like it's full of sugar. It has that, uh, you know, lemonade is very sugary, right? And it gives you that feel, but it's not. Zero calories. Okay, let's face X. Which one of these have we not? Okay, ginger snap. Snap was bad. Which one hasn't given us the taste of sugar without it being sugar? It's all that aspartame or whatever's in this one. I have no idea. The print's too small. I can't read it. <laughs> the print's too small. Okay, but Tony, that's not the only thing that we have. Oh, this is this. This is not zero sugar. This is not zero sugar. So thanks to people on Twitter and our Discord channel, they said, hey, have you guys tried the new Reese's potato chips cup? So do you, have you ever taken potato chips and put them in peanut butter? I have not. I have not either. Now, the, my favorite thing is potato chips and pimento cheese. I like anything in pimento cheese. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. So the Reese's, um, the, the big cup potato, well, it's got to be a big cup if you're going to put a single potato chip in it. How did they get away with the Pringles shape of that potato chip? I don't know who owns Reese's. Maybe they're all, maybe it's uh, I don't either. Pringles or Lay's or somebody like that. Yeah, it's all owned by one conglomerate. So I will say before I uh, try this, uh, Vanessa had a lot of interest in this too. So she's also going to try the other uh, cup here. There's two cups to a package. Did you put yours in the refrigerator at all? I did not. I did. I have been in there waiting on you. <laughs> what on earth have y'all been talking about? Because I know it hasn't been game. <laughs> Well, that that is one hundred percent true. It is not oh in games. <laughs> uh, okay, so we just tried. By the way, you have tried this. I, we like it. That the zero sugars. What I'm pointing at the spark. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I um, I don't know what I wanted. A little something else though. Maybe a little bit more Mountain Dew mm. flavor in it. Yeah, it was a little bit too much lemonade. That's funny. So Tony also said that uh, he got more lemonade than raspberry, and I tasted I the I tasted the raspberry. I, I felt like it was just like a, a lemonade drink. Yeah, I wanted. Yeah. All right, you ready? I All this. More. We're gonna try this at the same time. Here we go. Woohoo! We're gonna put the whole thing in our mouth. Are right? we? No, I'm just gonna do half a bite. Okay, All half right. a bite. Mmm, mmm. First, you get a good crunch. Okay, that threw me off. The crunch. There's a crunch, but I don't taste the potato chip. There's no potato. I don't get the salt. Mm-mm. I agree. Mm-mm. I do like the crunch, though. I do like the crunch, but there's no salty taste. That's what I was wanting. I like salt and sweet together. Mm-hmm. Like salted caramel, I love. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, I could have used more salt, but I do like that. I like this one better than the pretzel. Mm, that's interesting. A lot of people on our Discord channel like the pretzel. Like the pretzel better? Mm-hmm. I, I like the crunch of this one. I like the crunch, but I don't get potato chip at all. Nope. Nothing here. I guess I don't either. You want me to finish yours? Oh. All right. How many how many calories? How many 
<laughs> I was going to look at the calories, and Vanessa ripped the package out of my hand. <laughs> hey, Marty, it's 180. It's 180 for two. I hope that's for two cups, no. not just one. Oh, you know it's not. It's probably for a quarter of a cup. One cup per one serving. One cup. One cup per serving. That was 180, for, 180 calories for one cup. Worth it. Worth it. Oh, good. Mm, got a little salt in that one. Oh, that was good. Thank you. That was very good. Thank you, whoever pointed them out to you. Yeah. Twitter and Discord. Point it out. All right, y'all. So there you go. Uh, Mountain Dew uh, Zero Sugar Spark. Uh, worth it. Uh, the other one, if you like a crunch, get it. But I don't taste the chip at all. I don't either. Maybe I'll need to talk about some games. No, we don't. Because here we go. Uh, let me show y'all an example of how Marty gets in your wallet. Actually, it's just another excuse uh, so I can play my bumper. So I was at a mall uh, down south of me in a town called Monroe, which I know is nowhere near you, but they have a big slot car racing store. Mm -hmm. You walk in there and it's huge tracks of like, uh, dr there's drag strips and uh, long, big ovals and uh, some with a lot of curves and figure eights and everything. And they have these slot cars that are probably, I don't know, six to eight inches long they're big they're not like the little tcr cars like we used to get yeah. you know when we were kids and uh so it's a whole hobby store so you go in there you can get your chassis you can build your engine uh you you assemble the whole thing yourself and then it runs on a regular like a slot racing car you put it on the slot and you got the controller just like we used to as a, as a kid. And they have actual races every night where they compete against each other there's drag strips and everything like that i tell you what as a hobby that would be pretty freaking cool to do to work on your car and design a car and put it together and go and run it and everything like that. Yeah, it was. I mean, I can see where that would just eat up your time and money. And uh, we enjoyed our little TCR non-slot race cars, but I actually wanted to try slot racing because it was a, you didn't wreck so much. You know what I'm saying? If you're going too mm -hmm. fast, that's the beauty. People don't realize it's just hold down the trigger and go as fast as you could. And that's what TCR was for us. We just held down the trigger, goes fast, and you'd slam into the walls and all that. Well, TCR, Total Control Racing is what that stands for. And it wasn't. Because you just ran in and ran into the wall and switched circuit and then go back to the other circuit. That's all there was to it. It was a, What he means by that is people are like, what are you talking about? In, in, in this rare racing for uh, type of thing, you had a switch on the controller and you could switch between lanes is basically what it was. So... You could flip a switch and go to the other lane in typical slot fashion. You have to stay in basically one lane the entire time. Right. And if you're going too fast going into the curve, you'll fly off your slot. Yep. Right. And the same thing happens here. So I'll watch some of the races. Those guys have to control their speed as they go around curves because they'll, they'll fly off the slot and they have to. I didn't see how they did it. I don't know how they stopped the race and they have to go over there and fix the car or if there's some sort of penalty. I, I don't know. But there's the big there's big scoreboards and there's timers and everything that tracks your lap time and total time and all this. It is it is crazy. It's just one of those things I thought I didn't know this existed and it just looks really cool. Slot car racing. Oh, man, I did. I always wanted to try it because you think of it. I hate to say that it's like real stock racing, you know, slot mm -hmm. car, stock car racing. I mean, you're having to deal with tires gear ratios, all that good stuff as you're dealing with it. 
And even you and I and TCR, we mentioned this probably 200 episodes ago, where you and I were using ohm meters trying to figure out which controller was the best on our TCR. Mm-hmm. And and it and it made a difference. It makes it. We'd difference. find out. Oh, I I want this particular car right here <laughs> because uh, you figured it would co- pull more current than what the other one would, thus increase your speed. So this is riveting stuff here. Is it? Do we have anything fun? So you and I got to play a couple games that we're going to be talking about later on. But did you get to play anything uh, over over the break? Yes. Before uh, Rebecca headed out, you got the hunger back to me, where Mark Kell returned the hunger. And I was able to sit down with the family and we played The Hunger from Renegade Games. Mm-hmm. So I was very excited to get this on the table. I went back and said, okay, how do we relearn this thing? Because I know if I go back and listen to our podcast that I would probably zone out again after you talked about it. I taught it to everybody and Rebecca and her boyfriend loved it. They thought it was an amazing game and they liked how it was, it was his first intro into a deck builder. I think for a deck builder, it was a great game to start him with instead of like Ascension. And I don't have a copy of Dominion anymore. It's gone. I sold it a long time ago. Anyway, it's one of those things where they were sitting there, but Donna absolutely did not like it. Why is that? Well, first off, she burned up. So she hated that. That was not That's fun. hilarious. I know. I'm sorry. Thematically, I think that is so funny. If you don't get back to the castle by the time the sun rises, poof, you're gone. <laughs> no victory points. <laughs> and I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that she's not familiar with these types of games, even though she enjoys them. And I need to remember to coach her along. Like she spent way too much time out in the forest. She needed Mm -hmm. to get back. She needed to learn how to get those um, humans out of her hand, how to digest them. But you waited too long and now you're never going to get back. She did not have the speed to make it back. So I think Mm -hmm. a lot of that. So they enjoyed the hunger. And then, of course, I got to sit down recently and played three person, uh, five, two, one, one with my mother. And (laughs) wow, three person, five, two, one, one. That's right. Three person. Okay. That game definitely shines at four and five. I don't, do you remember that when we played it at Gen Con many, many, many moons ago? Vaguely. I remember that the five, two, one, and one had to do with how you played the game. Each person is, has five cards in their hand. On the first turn, they play two cards, draw two cards, play one card, play one card. And it's all played simultaneous. If their roosters are out a certain number of roosters, then the roosters basically wipe out all majority. If there's not enough roosters out, then it's the color with the majority unless it busts because there's a set number that you can go. And then you keep going around there. And so you're always looking at trying to control the majority because whatever has majority goes into your score pile and whoever has the most points wins. And about the second playthrough, my mom really started to enjoy it. She was catching Hmm. on to the strategy. Remember, this lady is 80 years old. So she was catching on to the strategy. The cards were easy to read. She was understanding the concepts of it. Matter of fact, she got pretty vindictive and started trying to see how she could bust certain majorities. So I thought it was quite entertaining. 5211 is one of those unsung heroes among card games. Yeah, I remember when it first came out, it was extremely popular. So it's cool to see that, you know, people still playing it. And I, I enjoyed it too. And I thought it was clever, like you said. I could not remember what the 5211 was until you said, oh, that's right, five cards. Play two, draw two, play one, play one. Yeah. Can you keep drawing? You keep going through. And it's just that unique. Oh, are you going to play this color? Oh, wait. If you play this color and I play this color, then I bust. But I really don't want this to bust. I want to score them because I have the majority here. But if we all tie it, like we have numerous times where everything either busted or everything tied and they all got wiped off the board. 
It was kind of, mm. I, I like that mechanic of the game. That's really all we got other than what you and I sat down and played. Yeah, which we're going to be getting ready to get into. However, it is January, which means at the end of the month is going to be Portal Con, Tony. However, Ignatius said he's not going to be doing a live stream keynote this year, which is a shame because that means we can't do a live reaction. So what he's doing instead is he is uh, announcing uh, new games every Monday. And as of this episode, he's announced two new games. So that's what we're going to talk about coming up right now. Editor Marty here. The day after we recorded the upcoming segment, Ignacy from Portal Games contacted me and said, yeah, you know that press release where we gave you the name of the upcoming expansion for 51st State? Yeah, we're, we're changing the name. I said, okay, Ignacy, that's fine. Why don't you record me what the name of that expansion is? He got that to me. So in the upcoming segment, I've overdubbed anytime we mention the old name, with the correct name as given by Ignasi. I knew we should have waited one more day before we recorded this. Tony, you and I love 51st State. Imperial Settlers, 51st State, we really enjoy those games, right? I'm trying to remember, I love all of Ignasi's games. Not that I'm trying to get on his good side. <laughs> but I have a lot of reaction to him not doing Portal Con. He sucks! <laughs> wow. He's paying for this part right here. <laughs> It's just truth in advertising. Uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Do you, what is the problem? What's this thing about uh, marketing? Oh, do you have a problem? Here's how I'm going to solve it. And I'm going to tell you about it very quickly. Well, that's something we never do. So our problem is we can't attend PortalCon. Is that our problem? That is our problem. He needs to solve that. So one of the games he's announced is the 51st State. And as at the time of this recording, it's called the Ultimate edition it could change <laughs> the press release that we just saw is in flux of court because he and chevy daughter were going back and forth about it. but the ultimate edition and here's the reason why the master set remember tony came out a few years ago which included everything however that's getting harder to find and everything like that so they said all right let's bring it back again uh with all the expansions and everything plus one new expansion called no man's land this is something that Ignacy teased he was working on where in the game of 51st state, typically, you know, you have a hand of cards, you're building out your area on the board. It's like a type of a, like a sieve game. We've got cards in play that generate resources, you do things with them. And the idea of this expansion called No Man's Land, there's going to be a map in the middle of the table that all of you have access to. And you can go to that map and fight for control of certain sections of that map. And if you get that area, it gives you additional abilities, maybe like some additional resources. So it adds the idea of even more player interaction by this board that everybody has access to in the middle of the table. And I thought that sounded really cool. Because that is probably one of the big, I don't want to say knocks to 51st State Imperial Settlers is there's you're over there by yourself. You know, mm -hmm. just playing your little cards, collecting your resources, building stuff, occasionally going over there and attacking someone. This definitely adds that component of interaction, getting on each other's bad side, which I think sometimes is a necessary evil in a game. Uh, sure, sure it is. And you may be wondering, well, wait a minute, guys, I'm one of the ones that got that master set. I have all the expansions. 
Do I need to buy this Ultimate Edition? No, you do not. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, yes, you do. You really should spend your money to support oh. Portal Games. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. But if you do have the Master Set, you have everything that's going to be in the Ultimate Edition minus No Man's Land. However... If you want No Man's Land, which I think you would, you can buy it individually. This is going to be coming out on GameFound in the middle of February. The complete Ultimate Edition, which includes everything, including the new expansion No Man's Land. Or if you just want to buy No Man's Land separately, it will work with your, work with your existing set that you have now. I'm buying No Man's Land separate. Yeah, me too. I'll be getting it. I, I can't wait to try this. But that's not the only thing he's announced. One of the big games that came out of Essen last year that was extremely popular, sold out in a couple days, was a game called Gutenberg. This has not been available in North America. Portal is going to get that game, give us an English version, and have it available here in North America. And I don't know if you've seen this game, Tony, but it looks really cool. You got these little gears that you can put on the board. It's, it has to do with the printing press, right? So the idea is uh, this is there in time where Gutenberg invented the printing press and how they use the printing press and everything like that. And they have this, you're on board. We got gears that rotate and do things for it. It just looks really, really cool. And everybody who's played it says it's absolutely amazing. It has auction and bidding, which we like, card drafting, simultaneous action selection, which I'm a big fan of. This is going to be coming out in March. And you can pre-order it right now. 51st State's going to be on GameFound as like a crowdsourcing game, but this is going to be available in just a few months. Let's get this straight so we can budget our money. So Ignacy's in our wallet. He's wanting you on in late February. We've got 51st State Ultimate Mega Edition or whatever they're going to call it. And then pre-order Gutenberg, correct? And I find it very interesting that he's bringing this to the state. Yes. And it sounded like today on his video that I watched where he's talking about a new direction for Portal, like they may be taking more games that are in Europe and not available in America and bringing them to America. That's really cool to give us access to games that we can't get over here. Well, it's about during time he's been taking Simon games and over to Europe. Now he needs to bring them back over here. Bring us some games over here. That's fair. That's fair. Well, the first one he's doing is Gutenberg. That's on pre-order right now. And keep an eye out for the GameFound site. In fact, at the time of this recording, uh, there should be a link available to go out to the site and so you could be notified uh, when it launches the 51st State Ultimate Edition. If I had a Gutenberg press, I'd type up my note for myself to put the link, but oh, I don't have that handy. And I wonder if the Gutenberg press allowed you to make bigger fonts so we could read it. It'd be nice. Maybe you could run a Gutenberg press and get Imperial Settlers better for us. So the reason for this episode was... The reason for this episode was to bring enjoyment to everybody. Yeah, right. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to stretch it that far. <laughs> so the Psycho Killer, the reason for this episode, the name of it was um, Psycho Killer was because Van Ryder Games has a game that is taking everybody by storm. It's killing it out there. Literally. Bum, bum. No, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that is... Final Girl. And this is a solo adventure where you play as the final girl left in a horror film and you have to kill the big, bad, meanie, nasty person. You are Jamie Lee Curtis. Or the person from Friday the 13th. Or the person from Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it's a trope from the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. The female protagonist was always the one that took down the big bad in the end. And that's exactly what's being mimicked here in this solo game. I didn't realize. It's one of those things that just like hits you in the face, you know? Oh my God, they're absolutely right. 
That is the huge trope from that time. And I didn't even think about it. That's it. That's the game. The big point is that if you take down the big baddie, or if you take down the big baddie and you die, you win as a solo player. Other than that, you lose. If you die, you lose. And let me tell you right now, this game is hard. It is not a sunny day at the beach. Oh my heavens. This this is a tough one. Yeah, it is. And so they have different modules that are out. And Van Ryder sent us uh, some of the modules for us to check out. One reason is because, number one, the game's really amazing. A lot of people are playing it. But because also they're having another Kickstarter that's going to come out with even more modules for Final Girl because it was such a hit they're doing a second Kickstarter. So they want us to check out the first version to see what we thought. So we got like five modules and each of the modules basically represent a different movie or scenario. Plus it gives you additional final girl to play as. Now you have the core box, which has everything you need. It has the tokens. It has the dice that you store in the core box, but it's each individual expansion pack that gives you the additional rules for the additional monsters or the, uh, the different uh, final girls to play. And the final girls have their own map. The monsters have their own monster board. You can mix and match between them. You can have a final girl from one expansion playing against a monster of another. So there's a lot of modularity to the board. But before we get into the game, Tony, I must say the production was amazing mm -hmm. on how they did these expansions because they're magnetic. So the front cover is like the monster board that you pull off. It's it's magnetic. You pull off that it put off to the side, and that's your play area. The uh, other side is also magnetic. You pull off the back cover, and it's the map that you use. And then the thing in between is basically what held all the components, like the cards and everything. Right. You got two gamer trays right there in the modules, and you're right. That's what I love about this game: the idea that this final girl gets to go battle this person from the carnival, and then she can go go over and battle the person with the chainsaws or whatever scenario. I thought that was ingenious. I'm sure other games have that, but it was just like, Oh, I see how they did this. I know one setup and it will work for all of them, you know, and each module ha may have some special rules or some special setup, but it's not like, you know how in some games you pull it out and then you, Oh, this, this module, you're going to have four more pages of rules. No, it's a little pamphlet. It's real simple. The one that you play is different than the one I played. I think yours was, was yours kind of mimicking Friday the 13th? Okay. I don't like horror films. Okay. So I don't know. And I, the only reason why I know about all the girls is you'd see the end theme from it and you'd hear about it, but I never really watched a lot of horror films. So I played the one where it was Geppetto and the carnival and he had puppets. Oh, no, that was totally different. I know you got the other one uh, that was kind of the basic uh, one that a lot of people use for the first game. So you did the Geppetto. So very interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what that mimics. Now, the one I did was called Mr. Fright, which basically mimics Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. So in that one, the map is basically a little neighborhood and the monster is chasing you. But the only time you can kill the monsters when you're asleep. So it has this concept Ooh. that you go to sleep. And when you're asleep, the monster can attack you, but that's the only time you can attack the monster. But even though you may be uh, awake, the monster can still take out victims, which is also interesting. So you have victims on the map mm -hmm. and you try to rescue them. Mm -hmm. And when you uh, take actions to rescue them, basically there's exits on the map. And if you can get them off the map, they go onto your player board, which gives you additional abilities, like some extra health or give you some extra time on your board. When you have saved enough victims, you flip over the final girl card to give you like an ultimate power. But on the other side of it, if the killer gets up enough killing spree going and he has enough bloodlust, then he has some special abilities that come into play as well. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, after an hour of playing this game, I said, I knew I was doomed. I didn't finish it because I had flipped over everything and then it just steamrolled me to death. I was done with this. I was like, there's no way I'm going to have to rinse and repeat this. I mean, it's, it's real simple though. That you, You've got the action phase of just playing as many cards as you want because it's a clock. That's how you're playing. It'll tell you roll dice and get, it will spend your time. If you want to walk, it's going to cause you to spend time and you only have a set amount of time. And I thought that was ingenious, Marty. I really liked how the action phase played out. It wasn't guaranteed that I would be success, but it was guaranteed that I'd be wasting my time. Potentially. Here's why. It's because uh, you have a, on your board, you have a, a marker that shows, okay, I have six time to spend during my action phase. And you say like, I want to walk. Depending where you are on the terror track, the higher the terror level, the less dice you get to roll because you got to do a check to see how well you do. If it's low terror, uh, you basically get to roll three dice and it goes down to a minimum of one. So when you roll your dice, you see if you're successful or you count the number of successes you had. Unlike the walk card, it tells you, hey, if you had two successes, you get to move a space and it costs no time. But if you only had like one success, it may cost you time. But here's the thing. Every action that you take has that concept of rolling dice. You play a card, you roll the dice, and then resolve the number of successes you have, and it tells you what happens. Typically, costing time is always, or using time is always part of that equation. Now, I'm not going to let you get away with costing us $5, because I'm luckily I have the game right here. And okay, so does, does walk, you always, it call, always cost time? Always cost you time, regardless okay. of your success. And, it, and if you don't succeed, you may lose some health. You may increase the hard track. There's all these action cards that come into play. So that's, you're playing these action cards, doing hard checks and hoping that you're successful. And there's no limit except for the amount of time, except time is important because in the next planning phase, you have all these cards out there in this tableau that you can purchase. But Marty, it's not like having resources. What's your resource here? Whatever time you didn't use in the action phase. That is so cool. To me, that's what made this game right there was those two phases right there. You got the concept of your resources time, uh, the actions you take, the amount of time that you use is going to be dependent on how well you do. And do you decide, do you want to burn up all your time trying to take all these actions? But if you do, then you've got nothing to spend to buy additional cards because the actions that you just used go back into the action tableau to be purchased at a future time. Now, your starting hands always cost you zero. So if you have zero cards available, you can always put those back into your hand. But let's say, for example, you used all your zero cards during your action phase, then you got no zero cards to take back at your hand during the planning. You can't get those till the next round. So you'd probably need to leave yourself some time left over to buy cards to use in the next round. Because you can use two cards to create a success if you roll mm-hmm. a three or a four. And I found myself thinking, okay, I need to be able to have this because I need a success here. I better have those, but I really want to use this card later. Do I want to spend it? Hard decisions had to be made in the planning phase. I mean, I'm sorry, in the action phase so that you could take care of the planning phase. You've got cards that can increase the time, which can help you out. But uh, mm-hmm. when you get in the planning phase, it's, it's all that balance that you need to, to manage, and it's fast. It's very quick. And then it's now time for the killer to come after you. It's his turn. And he has basic actions that he'll always do. Typically, it's like attack somebody in your space. 
After that, you draw a terror card, and the terror card is like an event deck for the monster or the killer, and it's always bad. He may be running around chasing you, and that's how it gets him to move and do things. One of the things it did in the scenario that I played, it said, okay, guess what? You're now asleep. You've got to deal with the killer for a little while. Hmm. See, and this is probably one of my negatives. I had some confusion when, when I was playing mine because I wasn't understanding the terror card because I had minions. And I went to the forums and I was trying to understand it. But if you have a minion, does the killer and the minion activate? They weren't as straightforward. And they had this like box that said, okay, target the hero, move and attack. And you only attack if you're in their space. And then it had a little down arrow and it said, do this. And then it had another little down arrow. I'm like, okay, am I doing each of these steps? I, I got myself all wrapped around the axle on this. I wasn't really sure. I had to go to the forums and try to decipher what some of this meant. They, you know, I was reading from the developers. It was quite, was quite clear. Oh, wait, we left that out. I was like, oh, oh. okay, okay. So there's going to be, a, I think they're going to come out with some FAQs on this. Ah, okay. Very cool. So you, uh, the monster activates. And by the way, the more bloodlust he has that he gains over time when he attacks, he does more damage. If there's a victim in his area, the board has you and victim tokens. If there's a victim in his area and he attacks a victim, it automatically kills it. If he attacks you, you take damage. You lose all your damage or health. Basically, you take enough uh, damage, you'll be dead. Meanwhile, you're trying to attack the killer in order to kill it. All that's kind of going together. The next phase I thought was cool, Tony. If a victim was killed during this turn and there are victim meeples in the same space as the killer, they panic and flee. <laughs> and then you uh, you roll and they run away from them. I thought thematically that was kind of cool. That was cool until your terror card said, oh, and if they flee, they immediately die. Like, oh, come on. Really? <laughs> Usually fleeing is good because it gets them out of the monster's space. Mm -hmm. So he can't kill them next turn. But uh, And then you rinse and repeat. So you do this over and over, trying to play the right cards. Oh, we didn't even talk about this. There's a way to search and get items. So in the scenario that I played, one of your action uh, cards is do a search. Go into a house. I could get a search or get items such as like shotguns, knives, etc. You could put them in your backpack. You can hold up to two items in your hand and you can have as many things in your backpack. So you collect all this stuff to make you a better fighter, give you more damage. So all that's part of it. Now, Tony, what was interesting in the one that I played is you just can't walk willy nilly into somebody's house and start searching. Instead, there was an action called convince. You had to successfully roll a convince check to convince the people in the house to let you come in to search the house. And see, in mine, I never got to the chance to search because in mine, there's traps, mm. a trap laid out and it kept me from moving without having to uh, move cards. And every time I moved through that area, it trapped me. And I was like, okay, I think I'm doing this wrong. So it's one of those things where you got to, I got to keep digging into the rules. Make sure you played it right a couple of times, but that's fine. Cause there was no way I won this game. No way. So if I want to win, I'm going to get better and better at it. And again, you can mix match. Uh, you get a couple final girls in each of the expansions. So you could try the other one if you want to. When I first started playing this, I thought, eh, this is going to be one of those games I'm going to go through the motions, but thematically it's not there. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Actually, because of the way that they control the monster and just the way the actions that you have available to you, I thought it was very thematic. The fact I'm trying to save victims 
uh, from the killer and try to deal damage to the victim. So I thought thematically it worked very well. But for me, the highlight by far was that time mechanic resource of using it to not only take actions, but then the leftover time that you would need to buy actions for your next turn or subsequent turns. And for me, I found it to be very refreshing in how the terror cards came up, the event cards came up, the multiple scenarios. I could see a lot of replayability in this. Enjoyed that aspect. Let me ask you something. Did you lift your little um, tray out of the um, module box? I I did. Okay. I don't want to say what I saw because I don't know if it's a secret, but there was something underneath there. Yes, I think it's in everything. Okay. Okay. But that, we'll say, leave it at that. Don't. Okay. Because if, if you don't, if people aren't listening to this, they'll never know. But if you are listening to this, you might want to investigate your box. Hey, here's the thing. If you missed the first Kickstarter and you think this sounds really interesting, Van Ryder Games is going to have another Kickstarter uh, for their next, I'm not sure if they're calling it season or whatever, but it's going to be another release of Final Girl uh, where they're going to have some additional expansions, some new killers that, that you have to deal with and final girls that you're going to be able to play. Uh, so keep an eye on that. I know, Tony, that uh, a hot game from them years ago was another solo game called Hostage Negotiator. I never got to play that one. I know it has the same designer as Final Girl and Hostage uh, Negotiator, but uh, Evan Derrick also worked on uh, Final Girl, who is also with a Van Ryder game. So I know a lot of people liked it. So I don't know if it kind of works the same way because I never got to try it, but I do like this system. I really like the theme of this system because I like the whole horror movie thing. So if you're interested in this, I would say, hey, go to Van Ryder Games and just buy it. However, they're all sold out there. <laughs> they're sold out at Miniature Market, which is why they're probably doing another Kickstarter so they can get more print runs. I believe the Kickstarter is going to have some of the existing stuff they had already released plus additional things. But I love the cost point of this. I mean, uh, if, if they had it in stock, like the core box is only 20 bucks and then East expansion is only 20. That's a lot of game for not a lot of money, in my opinion. So definitely keep an eye on the Kickstarter. Final Girl. I'm not really big into solo games, Tony, but I really, in, I've, I've been getting into it recently with the, the Lazarus Bridge that we talked about last time, which is the David Thompson game. And this game, I think thematically has done really well. If a solo game has a good theme and an interesting action mechanic, I'm definitely interested in trying it. We have been a huge fan of the Undaunted series from Trevor Benjamin and David Thompson ever since it was released from Osprey Games God, a few years back when they first released Undaunted Normandy. And Tony, this has been basically a two-player only deck builder set where you're going to be playing campaigns during World War II. Soon after that, another version came out called Undaunted North Africa, which is just different settings, a little bit of different mechanics of how you treat the units and everything, but still a two-player deck building game where you're playing through different scenarios that happened during the North Africa campaign. Your friends come by and say, what are you two playing? We'll go. We're playing Undaunted by David Thompson. You know, it's a Thompson. We love it. It's like a Monet. It's a Thompson. And they say, really? Can we play? And we're like, no. No, you can't play. This is two player only. So you just go sit over there and watch and wish that you could play. That's right. Go get your own copy. <laughs> by the way, go, go over to miniaturemarket.com where you can get your copy of Undaunted right now. Or Osprey Games. Go to their website. But anyway, now... You can come join us. There's an expansion, the reinforcements. I'm I'm excited. I was like, oh, we got it. So I, was, I wanted to see how this is going to play out for us. So reinforcements, 
doesn't add any new tiles or anything. You're still playing in Normandy or North Africa using the existing tiles and most of the unit cards from the other two games. You need, number one, you need one of those base games in order to use reinforcements. It is not a standalone expansion. For example, North Africa was a standalone expansion from Normandy. So let's just make that totally clear. You got to have one of those other two in order to play reinforcements. But if you do, now you can do 2v2 games with a whole new campaign book set up to where it's like, all right, here we go. You're going to play 2v2 games. Here's the scenario on how it's going to be set up. And here's how you're going to play together uh, against your opponents. And you pick whether you want to do the Normandy campaigns or the North Africa campaigns. So I'm a little confused here, Marty. If I need their original core set, why do I need this box? I mean, what is he giving me here? Didn't we just say? I mean, wasn't the whole bit at the very beginning of you can only play two player, but now you can play four player? That's right. But so what does he give us in this? Why don't you tell us what he gives us in this? If you give me a second, I'll let you know. See, see, he does this. He throws stuff my way, expecting me to have the answers of something he's asking about. So why don't you just answer it yourself? Because that would require research and knowledge. <laughs> and I don't have that God. stuff. Here's what I do know comes in the boxes. And that is you're going to get a whole bunch of new cards. You're going to get 50 new cards. You're going to get an 150 oversized solo cards, some tokens, two new scenario books. And with Normandy, you're getting some tanks. That's all that matters. I'm getting some Panzers. I'm getting some Panthers. I'm getting some Shermans. I didn't have that originally. Now I got some tanks. Patton's coming out, baby. Here comes Patton. <laughs> so one thing I loved about North Africa was it did introduce vehicles. Yes. And the concept of uh, vehicles where you could put units inside the vehicles to control them. Even though you get tanks for Normandy, it's not a one-to-one -one comparison. There's not like the cards you have in North Africa where you assign units to use the tanks. It's just you have a tank token on the board that you can use to move around and attack, et cetera. So I just like the idea of the concept that now there are tanks in Normandy uh, that you can use. Also in the box, it includes the four-player support, which it gives you some additional tokens and some additional units that you'll use. And we'll talk about how the, the four-player works in a second. But Tony, I think the thing I love the most is you get this huge reinforcements box with a lot of empty space. And the reason why is because you can take every single card and bit and rule book from Normandy and North Africa and put them into this one box and totally disregard the other two. So everything can be put into this one reinforcement box. And that right there is worth it. Is it so that you can have smaller boxes on yourself? You don't need three big boxes. It's just one box. Well, it's one big box. <laughs> you saw it. I mean, it's, it is a deep box and it is a heavy box because there's a lot of rule books that, you know, every scenario or every uh, base game had a rule book and it had a scenario book. And then this one and reinforcements has a rule book, a scenario book and a solo book. Like you mentioned, if you want to, play solo games, tons of cards in this game for the solo aspect. There's a whole rule section in the back of reinforcements just for playing solo. Why did I love Undaunted to begin with? Yeah. You know, why, why would I want to get reinforcements on the table other than adding another player? And for me, it is the mechanic of the deck building behind it. 
and how mm-hmm. life is measured in these games. When you attack another unit, the other player must discard a card. If it's in um, their discard pile in their hand, they have to discard it. And, it, and that was how you measured health. I enjoyed the strategic part of this game. And it felt like, once again, a miniatures game to me without the miniatures. You know, you have to be very strategic. You have to be thinking about position. You have to be thinking about, do I need to move here? How do I do cover? All that good stuff. So what is it about reinforcements that I liked or how it added? To be honest with you, Mark, it was just this one part. And that was how you moved command from the 2v2 people. If If it's you and I are on a team, I'm not always in command. It moved from player to player, depending on which base game you had on the table. Yeah, so how what it is is what you mean by depending on the base game. So let's say, for example, we're playing Normandy. Uh, one of you will, for each side will be a platoon sergeant. Whoever has the platoon sergeant card basically starts out as uh, the, the leader. The leader. Uh, each of those people uh, get to draw four cards on their turns. The other two only draw three. As soon as the platoon sergeant is put into the discard pile, it's transferred to the other player they get a token indicating, okay, now they're the leader or the commander, meaning that now they're going to be drawing four cards in their turn and the other will be drawing three. So whoever is the leader or commander will flip flip flop back and forth, uh, like you said. Uh, it depends on whenever, for example, in Normandy, you play the platoon sergeant. That's how it flops. But what's really cool is they change some of the actions in this game so that not only can you help yourselves but you can help your partner uh, with some of the actions you can take you can influence them another aspect that i enjoyed from the partner side of it is what knowledge you can talk about you can talk about not what's in your hand but what strategy you want to do and it can't be whispering that to me was important that you cannot sit there and go hey marty what i want you to do is go in on his right flank but you know you it's open knowledge to everybody but not what's in my hand. That came up a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was playing with uh, with Burks. One of the things you can do with another person, you can guide them. It's like, look, I got a car that I can guide. And guide means I can move another token on the board. So I can move his token if you wanted to get in better position on his next turn. You and Mark heard that exactly. You heard what was going to be coming because how the turns happen is the commander of one team goes, then the commander of the other then the uh, other player on the, the first team goes and the second player on the second team. So it alternates back and forth between teams. So the other team would have a chance to react based on what they just heard amongst the table talk between the two teammates. Now, is that thematic? Well, of course it was. Somebody had Enigma. That's right. We were breaking codes. True. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you heard this. It's not like you're going to hide a tank rumbling through a field. You're going to see that you had scouts out there. And by the way, you got scouts in this game. <laughs> by the way. By the way. You got scouts in this game. How do we win? You get the control points. And that carried forward in this game. You've got yep. to be able to control land. you got to control the victory point. Well, it depends on the scenario. So there's a bunch of different scenarios in this game. You pick which one you want to play. You set up the map. You set up spawn points. And then you uh, go from there. Thematically, this works the same way with the new stuff and reinforcements in that in Normandy, you're controlling units. So if you take enough damage to where you have to remove the uh, unit token from the board, as long as you have more of that card in the supply, you can get that card and respawn that unit. But in North Africa, 
if you ever had to remove the unit token from the board, it's gone. Because in North Africa, it represented individuals, not units of people or groups of people. For me, I didn't like North Africa as much as I did Normandy. I think it got convoluted with the vehicles and people in the vehicles. I mean, it was still Mm -hmm. enjoyable. I tend to lean towards Normandy more. Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested to see how this changes North Africa. If someone could concentrate on the vehicles, maybe. I don't know. But I will say this. We've got to get better at playing this game. Yeah. So here's the thing is this game is supposed to take, what, 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. It took us two hours. And that's not a fault of the game. Mm -hmm. It's a fault of we were making just horrible tactical decisions. We ended up doing this thing called suppression. So what happens is, is when you lay down suppression fire uh, against somebody else, if you succeed, their token flips to the suppressed side. The only way they can get it flipped over is just play that particular card that represents that unit from their hand. The only thing they can do that turn is flip the card back over. What was important for getting control points were riflemen. They were the units that could take over command points, which you needed to win the game. And as soon as a rifleman got in a spot with a command point, we basically suppressed them back and forth to where it became Tony like a stalemate. Mm -hmm. It was poor. God, we played poorly. We played poorly. We should have done it differently. It's like, instead of trying to suppress them, kill them, (laughs) you know, or, or get them off the board. So they have to respawn from a different point because literally it was suppressed. They flip over, suppressed, they flip over. And then nobody was gaining any ground. As I thought about this game later, I'm like, why did I not bull rush you with my tanks? I was the tank commander. I should have been up there. Mark should have been yelling at me saying, bull rush him with the tanks and suppress his suppressors, blow up his tanks because your tanks and your machine gunners were the ones, those would have been the ones I should have been suppressing with my tanks and then let him come in with the infantry and mop up the control points. But no, no, I didn't think like that. I was like, oh, good gosh. So yeah, there was a lot of things we did because <laughs> we walked around. This stayed on the table way too long, but that's because we played not too well. Yeah, it's not because of the game. It's just literally, we were just making really, really Silly. stupid decisions. Yeah, basically that drugged the game out a lot longer than than what it should have. Thematically, I think this game still works the same way I've, I've thought it's for years. I think it's amazing how you have to have scouts that go out into unscouted territories uh, to be able to put down tokens so that other moon- units can move into those areas because other units can only move into scouted territories. But when a scout moves into an unscouted area, a fog of war goes into the deck. Fog of war is just basically taking up your hand, but you can later use a scout to get rid of fog of war from the deck or maybe put a fog of war in somebody else's deck. I won't go through all the actions again. It's a lot of the exact same actions. It's just that now between the two of you, you're trying to work together to be able to win the campaign. But I do want to point out, since both people on that team had scouts, it doesn't matter if you have a scout or not. You can conceal and force me to take a fog of war regardless if I have a scout in my deck. You have a decision to make. That's a new thing for this game where usually it was just, oh yeah, I'm going to put fog of wars in two, uh, 1v1. But in this, okay, who do whose hand do we want to junk up? You know? Right. We both had scouts, so we could basically get rid of the fog of war from our hands. But still, I won't. I know that Marty's fixing to go, so let's put the fog of war over in his area because maybe he's got the points of the control points that we need to keep him from getting. Kind of keep slow him down a little bit. So that was a strategic decision. 
imagine this, this game required thinking. And again, what was really neat was having somebody else to bounce ideas off of, as opposed to just playing 1v1. You got to talk out ideas. Hey, should I try to flank this person? You know, who should go here? Where, where should I put it here? Should we put somebody here to guard this control point, et cetera? So uh, very well done. This is another one of these games, just like we talked about in Final Girl. If the theme fits what I'm doing, I'm going to be very excited to play it. And this one does. We've always liked our deck builders. Tony, you hit the nail on the head. This feels like a miniatures game, except with deck building mechanics as opposed to just, uh, you know, on your turn, I'm going to move a mini and roll some dice. Mm -hmm. And measure and, and argue over, <laughs> is it really sick? Let's talk about that. I will say combat is super straightforward in this game, right? It's very easy to determine, okay, here's how many dice I'm rolling. How far am I away from you? What's the defense of you in the area that you're in? I need to exceed that value when I roll my dice. Right. Very straightforward when it comes to combat resolution. Right. Super easy, barely an inconvenience. Exactly. Which I got that t-shirt for Christmas. Oh, Vanessa good. got it for I, me. I'm glad she got it for you. That way you don't have to say it. You can just point to your shirt. That's right. <laughs> so once again, this is the, an expansion to the Undaunted series from... I had it pulled up and now, hold on, give me a second. David Thompson. Trevor Benjamin. Trevor Benjamin. There's a whole lot of names here over on the Osprey site. Well, who are all these people? It's a Thompson. Just go with that. And again, if you have the two base games, I think this is worth it just to be able to combine everything into one. Now, I will tell you, there's a lot of rule books now in that one box. A lot of books. And when you're setting up, like if you're doing Normandy, you're going to have to reference two books. If you're kind of relearning the rules, you need the core rule book from Normandy, the core rule book from Reinforcements, the scenario book of Reinforcements, kind of all at your fingertips, ready to go so that you can look up stuff. Once you kind of get it memorized of how the different actions work with all in the different units, it, it moves pretty quick. But you may be flipping through a lot of books at the very beginning if you haven't played in a while. Undaunted Reinforcement by Thompson, Benjamin, Turtsky, and Digby. Is that better? I still love it. I recommend reinforcements highly. I hope this series continues down the road with even future locations, areas, armies, etc. Yep. Get me some planes, Thompson. Let's go. Planes and ships, baby. That's what I want. There you go. Speaking of getting into my wallet, thank you, miniaturemarket.com. That's miniaturemarket.com. You're in my wallet again because there is a winner is here. And CMON is up to 80% off. I'm telling you, they're flashing these sales all the time. I don't need any CMON games right now. But let's just see what they've got on sale for CMON. Oh, crap. There's an Arcadia quest that I haven't played in forever. But that's an expansion I always wanted. Oh, get out of my wallet. Come on, Miniature Market. You dig? Oh, would you there's the black plague zombie side sweeten it up pack as I call them where you know you get those special tokens and things like that that's on for 80 percent but then on that front page I also see their foam trays are back in stock and this is one of Marty's favorite things those foam trays where you can pluck them do the pluck 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 and make them up for the various miniatures you may have heck you don't even have to use them for miniatures, do you, Marty? You can actually use them for game components if you want to, if you have your own special uh, tray. Oh, that's right. So the trays fit in one of their special bags. I swear by those trays. They're solid, well-built trays. They're very stiff on the bottom. They will protect your miniatures very easily. And the nice thing about the pluck is that you can configure 
uh, the compartment of where you put your pieces or models for every uh, model that you have. You can make it, you know, custom. Then, of course, on the main page, just be sure to check it out because Tabanusi's out there. We talked about it. You can go check it out. If you missed our review, click on the link over there at Miniature Market. You can listen to us fools talk about Tabanusi, one of my favorite tea games. Ventures of Robin Hood. Hopefully, we'll get that on the table soon. And Bequest as well. All that's there. We're going to be talking about that in future episodes. Looking forward to that. Be sure to go over to miniaturemarket.com for all their wonderful stuff. Let them get in your wallet so that you can have that new game to play. Hey, Marty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was going to ask <laughs> if you'd want to go back in time, and I suddenly want to go back in time because, y'all, I cannot stand it when he does that. <laughs> and then when he also says, super easy, barely an inconvenience, I cannot stand it. <laughs> but you bought me a T-shirt for Christmas saying that. Because I thought maybe you wouldn't say it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and to show you how much I love you, because it must be a lot if I bought that T-shirt. He says it all the time. <laughs> if, for those who don't know what we're talking about, it's a comedian, Ryan George, who does screen rants, but like uh, movie pitches. And he has several lines that he uses in every single one. Of no, it. he doesn't. He has two <laughs> particular lines. And one of them's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's very obvious that we did not know what each other was going to say when we started this. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. I'm a, I'm a little giddy because I wish we could go back giddy. in time. As I, yeah. in, this is the second time we're recording this because I wish <laughs> in the past I would have verified that the SD card that we were recording on was not corrupted. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> Yeah, so we recorded a whole segment without yeah, 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 or whatever, and it was wonderful. <laughs> now we've got to stop and start over again. <laughs> well, this was the present, so we'll see how maybe the future recording goes. <laughs> and the reason why we're talking about the past, present, and future is because Vanessa joined me to play a two-player abstract game called... Hey, do you remember that time I killed you? <laughs> No, I'm sorry. The name of it is That Time You Killed Me. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, public it's by- that time you went, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very an inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> so if y'all don't know Marty well enough by now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Oh, boy. This is not going where I expected it to go. He will tell a joke a thousand times. So now suddenly I'm thinking of those Geico commercials. You might be your dad. You might be your dad if you tell the same joke from 25 years ago today. In the past, you told a joke. (laughs) And then now, 25 years in the future, you're telling the same jokes. So you'll be telling our grandchildren this super inconvenient joke. (laughs) Barely an inconvenience. Super easy. In fact, that's what this game is. <laughs> Super easy. <laughs> but, but it is very clever and you have to think. Yes, this game is designed by Peter C. Hayward and published by Pandasaurus Games. And let's, let's imagine what this game is. Let's draw a little mental picture for people. So there are three boards on the table. Each of them is a four by four grid. So it looks like a little small checkerboard. Mm-hmm. One represents the past. One represents the present. One represents the future. One person, it's only two player. One person has black pawns or black pieces. One person has white pieces. When you set up the board, 
Each of you have one piece on each of the three boards. And then four left. Four in your supply, Mm -hmm. four extra ones. And there's this thing called a focus token, which is going to represent where you're going to take your turn when you take your turn. Uh, The white always starts in the past and the black always starts in the future. You take your turn, you'll have two actions, and then you move your focus token to which area you would like to go to next. And you can't leave it in the area you just took your turn. So you'll either have to go to one of the other two. Turns are really easy. You're going to take your pawn. You can move it orthogonally as one of your actions. Another one of your actions could be you can jump forward or back in time. The theme of this game is you're trying to eliminate eliminate each other, so you're chasing each other through time. Mm -hmm. At the end of your turn, if at least two of the boards does not contain your opponent's pawns, you win the game. Yes. I feel like I would have said it at the end of the turn, if there are two sections that you are not in, you lose. That your opponent's not in, you lose. They win. Let's try this again. At the end of your turn, <laughs> if there are two boards that your opponent does not have opponents in, you win. Marty. This is not super easy. <laughs> you are really being inconvenient <laughs> right now. <laughs> There's two sections of the board and you don't have a player in them, then you lose. <laughs> I don't know why you're trying to say it all convoluted. <laughs> this, so I gave Tony a buzzer at the very beginning of the year that when I start rambling on about rules and it gets very confusing to hit me with that buzzer to stop me, I should have given you one also. Yes, I need the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the interesting thing is, though. The listeners have already buzzed out. I, they have already buzzed out. When you travel forward and back into the future, the concept is if I'm on the board that's the past and I can move into the present, uh-huh. move the one, mm-hmm. one up to the next next board, you're going to take your piece and move it to the exact same location in the next board if it's available. That's called moving into the future. Mm-hmm. You, When you move into the past, you take a piece and move back one mm-hmm. to the exact same spot if it's open. But here's the thing. Then you put a copy of yourself on the board you just left. That's what you have extra pawns on your supply. That's how they get onto the board so that's how you get more pieces onto all the boards we do need a video on us when we do this because i had my mouth open to say that and i went ah and then you started saying it <laughs> because that's what i was going to say when you move backward in time you leave a copy of yourself in whatever time dimension you were in Ooh, but see that's not that's not the whole gist of this game right there's four different oh, modules in it, yeah. and that's where the really interesting mechanics come into play. And we're only going to mention two of them. We're going to talk about the first two. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the first one? So in the first one, we need to spread the love and help nature through time. Mm, okay. Yeah. So we have a little seed. Mm, a little, actually a little, little plastic seed. And you may plant that seed no matter what dimension you're in. So wait a minute. So you take your pawn and you would put your seed on one of the squares adjacent to your pawn as one of your actions. Correct. Okay. If you do it in the past, then in the present, there's a little bush. It's grown from the time you planted it. Mm -hmm. And in the future, there's a tree. Ah. And it's in the same space in each dimension. Yes. But if you plant it in the present, then it only puts, it only grows into the future and there's nothing in the past. Mm, Okay. Makes sense. Then these become obstacles on the board then. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to remember, did you talk about how you eliminate players? Didn't talk about, no, we didn't mention that at all. 
All right. So now would be a good time to talk about that. So, one so the, how is a player eliminated from the board? One of the easiest ways is when you move. If you move into your opponent's piece, it actually pushes them. Mm-hmm. So you can push your opponent another space. If they're up against a wall, the edge of a board, and you push them into the wall, it eliminates their piece off the board. So that's one way to eliminate them. If there's a bush, you're playing the first scenario, and there's a bush there. If you push them into a bush, it will eliminate them. So now not only the walls, but the bushes come into play. So there's some strategy of like, well, if I plant a seed back over here and a bush pops up here, and that happens to be right beside my opponent's pawn, maybe in the future... That's I shouldn't say that. Maybe my next turn, I can push that pawn into the bush. Yeah. But in the future, that tree, if you push the player into the tree. It topples over. Yep. (laughs) It topples over and then it becomes an obstacle that's lying there. Then it becomes an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah. So there's these, that's the little clever mechanic with using plants. So that adds Mm -hmm. a little twist to the rules. Mm -hmm. But that's not the only thing. The second scenario, which I actually think I like more than the plants, Tell me statues. About yeah. Statues. Yes. So one of your actions is you can build a statue. Mm-hmm. And in any future dimension. time dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to place an exact copy of that statue in the same location. And here's the cool thing that you can now do. You can push and pull that statue. So if I'm in the past and I pull a statue one space towards me, that same statue moves in the present and in the future. That is mind-blowing. It is. So it's like <laughs> so now you have a way to manipulate the obstacles yes. in, the in the future. Fu- mm-hmm. Very simple, very basic, but it's very cleverly done to where you're really thinking and looking and moving around. And you have to remember when you move back in time to put another pawn out, mm-hmm. because if you don't, you'll be minus your pawns before you know it. So that's how you get more pawns on the board. So if, if Vanessa eliminates one of my pawns, I can always take one and move it back in time, one space, in order to make a copy of myself. Now, once my supply of pawns is, are gone, that's it. I, I obviously can't do that anymore. And in the couple times that we've played it, we've had a couple um, different scenarios. There were one where uh, we called it a time loop because the way it was, we just kept moving the t- same two spaces over and over when we were going around. And I can't remember how that finally resolved, but I remember saying... We- <laughs> That's how it finally resolved. I was trying to be too smart. So here's the thing. You try to think several turns in advance, and I was overthinking it. And Vanessa will say, you way overthought this. And I actually positioned myself to where she eliminated two pieces at once. Because if you ever have two pawns together and your opponent pushes one of your pawns into another one of your pawns, both of them are gone. Clearly, I didn't have a strategy. When I play a game like this, I just look at, okay, what can I do the next turn? I'm not thinking two or three turns ahead because I don't know what you're going to do in the in between time. So the focus, I really like the focus token. You would take your turn, you would move it to where you were going, mm-hmm. and I would just look at the board of where you were going and what I wanted to move there. Right. And that's all I thought about. Yep. And you were thinking about, I don't know what you were thinking about. What were you thinking about? Sometimes I would make a move <laughs> knowing that two turns from now, I can get back to this exact same board and set up something really cool. But that gives you time to come back to that board and move a piece to keep me from doing what I really wanted to do. Yeah, because anything can happen in that in-between time. I know. I know. Again, I overthought it. So I, I, I guess maybe I'm not as good as at abstract games like I thought it would be. Oh, yes, you are. And here's the thing is, I was kind of concerned when I brought this game out to you because I believe you're not a big fan of abstract games like chess, checkers, etc., right? No, I'm not. It's, it's funny because when we started talking about games like... 
many, many, many years ago. Oh, what games do you play as a kid? You play checkers? Eh, not really. Checkers was okay. Chinese checkers? No. Chess? No. <gasps> what was the other one? Backgammon? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like any of those games. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what did I play? <laughs> so I was concerned when I brought this. I was like, well, Vanessa liked this because even though it has a really clever theme, the concept of each of you chasing each other through time, trying to eliminate each other. It's, what, it's really not a thematic game. No, once you get going, it's like, okay, it's really a strategy abstract. Nothing wrong with that. Um, no, no, and, not and at all. And it makes sense what you're doing. For example, yeah. the whole concept, if it didn't have the whole time concept, the idea of moving one statue here and moving over here wouldn't make as much sense. But with the theme, it makes sense. Oh, well, if I move this statue in the future, of course, it's going to be at a different location now. I like to say it is a fun, clever game. Yeah. A fun, clever, and you do have to think. And there's game. two scenarios we hadn't even talked about, and mm -hmm. we're not going to, because <laughs> we would like y'all to discover those on your own and find out about them and how they work. So mm -hmm. we don't want to ruin the surprise. We don't want to ruin the future. That, that's right. We've that's already right. ruined their present. <laughs> <laughs> Which they're listening to in our past. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Oh, so anyway, that time you killed me. I think this is a very clever two-player game. I agree. This is one of the things you can bring out with your friends. It plays fast. The setup time is almost non-existent. You just pick which module you want to play, set it up, give each other the pieces, and you're off and running. I agree. I absolutely agree. So if you're looking for a quick two-player abstract game, then I think you might want to check out that time you killed me. Again, remember, there's two scenarios we hadn't even talked about that you might want to, uh, you know, get the game and find out what they are on your own. No? <laughs> Should I go back in the past and redo that, the closings? Which <laughs> we had a video, guys. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I love playing classic video games, Tony. I, it's very nostalgic for me to go back and play some old games. And I think I've said before that uh, my son's really into playing old console games. And they went out and bought a GameCube. And I was sitting there thinking... Maybe I should go buy GameCube because I've got some GameCube games I wouldn't mind cranking back up and uh, and trying out again. Metroid Prime, uh, Eternal Darkness, which I really loved. Hey, Wind Waker, since they're not going to bring it to the Switch. <sighs> anyway, so I was talking to the boys and Adam said, wait a minute, the old GameCube's up in my room. I said, excuse me? The what? He said, yeah. He said, the original one that we had is in my room, but it doesn't work. What? And I said, okay, that sounds vaguely right where we had it and it stopped working. I said, do you know where it is? I went, yeah. So he went and brought down the original box and everything with the GameCube in it. So I went downstairs where they have their other GameCube plugged up, just swapped out the connectors, put in the disc, and it popped right up. I went, well, it's working now. So I do have my original working GameCube. Wow. And there's, there's a device that came out last year, the year before last, that plugs into the special video port on the back of the GameCube and has an HDMI out. So you can plug it directly to your TV. So I'm thinking about getting a GameCube controller. I think I may have one around here. The one I tested with was really messed up. But getting an original GameCube controller, finding my old WaveBird, and I'm going to hook it up to my big TV and play some old GameCube games. The WaveBird. I haven't heard that in forever. <laughs> the wow. WaveBird. The yep. WaveBird. Oh, man. See, and now that they've come out with that, I should be able to take my Xbox 360. Mm -hmm. It did not have an HDMI connector to it. So I should be able to now be able to do that, right? Because those converters are out, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah. There's converters out there. I guess what was that component on the back? Do you remember what it was? Component or the or the old RCA jacks? It was component, but it yeah, it had six six count them six little wires coming out. It had multiple. It had the red, yellow. Um, yep. Component. And, yeah, and then the vi- and then the audio portion of it. Absolutely. So. So guaranteed, there's a component to HDMI converter. There's got to be. But what's so unique about this is this was a special connector for the proprietary GameCube port nice. on the back. Uh, so I, I don't know. I would I would be wasting money getting it. I I don't know. But honestly, I've got a lot of GameCube games I've just been collecting for collectible reasons. But now I can actually play them. So I I don't know. I may have to check it out. But it's the question of do you have the time to play them? No, I don't because I don't have time to play video games that I've got now. Dude, the Switch eShop is tearing me up. I keep buying stuff and I never even install it. Oh, it's on sale. Oh, look, I got a gift card that I use my $5 monthly GameStop mm-hmm. thing on. Hey, I'll buy it. Exactly. And I just did that with Subnautica on the PlayStation. Bert's like, you got to try this. And, oh, by the way, it's on sale. Well, Bert, get out of my wallet. But sure enough, <laughs> I dropped $15 on it. I'm like, oh, man. And then there was something else that just popped up on sale and I can't remember what it was. I was like, I need, oh, oh, um, Ubisoft is having a huge sale and I can pick up all these packs for Valhalla if I want to. I told myself, I'm not buying any more of this. I'm going to finish this stupid game and move on to the next game. And I told you about Tales of Vesperia. If you wanted to play a Tales game on the Switch, it's on sale on the Switch right now. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, well, I've got all these other eShop games that I haven't downloaded. There's no, I got Pokemon still in shrink wrap because my daughter could not break away from Breath of the Wild to crank up Pokemon while she was here. Oh yeah. I was like, sweetie, oh, funny. we got to trade. She's like, daddy, I'm busy. I'm, I'm, I'm in the shrine. I got to do this. I'm like, I want to trade some Pokemon here. You're 26 years old. I'm 55 years old and we're trading Pokemon. Go figure that out. That's amazing. I love hearing that. That's that's cool. All the boys got Pokemon, but I did not. I don't know. I got too much other stuff. Next month, the Guild Wars 2 expansion is coming out. I'll probably get in it. I'll try to find time for it. And then in March, oh, baby, it's Advance Wars. Oh, baby, it's Advance Wars. You hope. I No, no, it's not Advance Wars first. It's Project Triangle. I don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, it's the Final Fantasy Tactics style game. Okay. All right. The turn-based game, uh, I, I'll be getting that too. So yeah, you're right. Uh, too much money spent on games that uh, that I won't play. Hey, you know what? We hadn't streamed anything in a while, Tony. And I was telling you about this today. That's something I think I'm going to do over the next few weeks. I need to resort all my Arkham Horror cards. They're in a shambles. I've got a bunch of unopened packs. I've run out of space in my uh, crate for storing them. So I found this really nice storage solution on Amazon. And I think what I'm going to do is... One Saturday afternoon, I'm going to sort of my cards. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to turn on a camera and uh, have people come and join me. And we'll we'll talk and chat and stuff uh, as I sort cards all day long. Well, that sounds like a good task for you to do. But I'm not sure I'm going to be watching you. But that's okay. I, I trust you. I man. wouldn't. I don't know that anybody that would. But I thought if I'm sitting here sorting cards, I'll maybe try to entertain myself. Maybe somebody can just pop in and. You know, it's an AMA, ask me anything sort of deal. Or maybe I'll just talk about uh, the cards as I look at them in um, Arkham Harg. I mean, in the first 10 minutes, you can talk about and debate with yourself on how you're going to sort them. And is this the best sorting mechanism? Do you, oh, that's true. Do you want that's to- true. I actually bought from Etsy 
a person who makes dividers mm-hmm. for Arkham Horror. So it's, they're divided by classes and all this stuff. So that's what I'll uh, be used for sorting. <laughs> and speaking of LCGs, uh, hopefully sometime this month, we'll be getting the re-release of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So we'll be revisiting that, the old LCG, and see how it holds up after 10 years. Mm, I, I found my, uh, rig- not the TCG, but the LCG. I found those this past uh, week and I was like... <sighs> Yeah, why do I still hold on to these things? I know, didn't have to because they got the uh, new expansion coming out. Yeah. Oh, well. But, you know, with that in mind, and I know your card is short on time because of somebody's uh, new recorder just doesn't know how to format a card or something. You got problems <laughs> over there. I don't know what's going on. I know we're limited on time. Just keep rolling dice and taking names. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, we're trying to get to 500 members in our Discord channel this year, so please come and join. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dyson Names, and check out our Twitch channel, Roll Dice Take Names. I'm so glad you got a new recorder, Marty. I hate you didn't get a new SD card. So how much time's left on that card before we got to get out of here? Oh, dude, I got more than enough... (laughs)